Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Yusuf Rimawi, Nasser Mashni and Robert Martin. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Australia's only radio program that is totally dedicated to the Palestinian cause in English. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Nasser. Morning, Yusuf. Uh, Robert is not with us today, but we have an even better... Oh, much better looking... A much better looking... Gorgeous young lady. Hello. Hi. This is... What's your name? Janine. Oh, this is Janine. The gorgeous Janine. Hello, Janine. Janine is uh, your daughter, Nasser, and we are so happy that uh, Janine has joined us today. And she's doing her apprenticeship, Yusuf, so that she can take over from us one day. <laughs> Although I think she's maybe too pretty for... Um, too pretty and too smart for radio. She for radio, t- yeah. Palestine remembered TV sessions. Oh, wow. You know, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, Nasser, what do we have today? So today, I mean, we promised our listeners we'd talk about the democracy that is Israel. We'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about... Sounds um, like a joke to me. Yeah, it is a joke. That's right. A cruel joke. Hmm. Uh, talk about the, the ruminations within the Australian Labor Party. And Bob Carr gave a, uh, a talk uh, earlier on this week and... The, the kerfuffle that the right-wing media has taken up uh, against that speech. And also, I want to introduce our listeners to um, Mr. Amy Popper and his story. Okay, looking forward to it. So, we will get started with Bob Carr. Yeah, let's let's start there, Yusuf. So, so um, during the week, Bob Carr was a guest of Anthony Albanese and Tony Burke. Now, Bob Carr was a former, as we know, Premier of New South Wales, but also Foreign Minister to Julia Gillard's um, uh, Labour government. He, in fact, stood up to Julia Gillard when she wanted to, she wanted to vote against a general assembly resolution recognizing the state of Palestine, and um, Bob Carr convinced her to abstain. He didn't want her. She she actually didn't have the the courage to go to caucus and see what the what her constituency would vote, and um, in the end forced her to abstain. And that was seen by Israel and its uh, very few allies as a real slap in the face. So he was I was there. actually in a meeting with uh, Bob Carr on the 30th of November, the day the resolution passed and the day Palestine was recognized as a non-member uh, uh, state. Uh, and there was a community meeting between him and the members of the Palestinian community. I was invited and he told us in detail how difficult it was, how much how much uh, pain he had to go through trying Mm. to convince Julia Gillard to just abstain. Just to abstain. Mm. Ridiculous, hey? So moving on from there, we've had a resolution now in the Tasmanian Labor Party. We've had the state uh, Labor Party in in South Australia urging the next Labor government to do the right thing and recognize the state of Palestine. And there's the upcoming New South Wales 
labour conference, and the numbers are in. You know, so mm. th- that's going to be pushed through uh, through through the state um, uh, New South Wales labour uh, fringe program, and that'll go then to the national program next year, and formally become. Labor policy. Labor policy. Uh, much to the disdain of you know the right wingers uh, of shortened, but uh, and his like. But the reality is the numbers and the you know it's the constituency of the Labor Party has moved beyond the right wing. Now this effort actually is a collective effort of uh, uh, members like Maria van Vakinu, uh, other uh, uh, friends of Palestine within the Labor who have done tremendous effort oh, in, uh, towards that and to work within labors within that kind of uh, the obstacles that we all know uh, of anything related to Palestine given that for years the policy of labor on Palestine was too broad just like we support the two-state solution and period well, so I mean, the, the with no is, recognition yeah, of the, occupation correct so so the, the, the challenge is they, the the concept is we recognize the two state solution and we want a two state solution but they only recognize one state in the two states yeah you know and until and, and they don't even uh, recognize or acknowledge occupation the no. word occupation is like a taboo word yeah. in that discourse well i mean because because as soon as we say occupation then there's a legal consequence to it we'd rather use the words disputed hmm. we're talking about people within the labor party you know um one of uh, the real movers and shakers is the vice president of the queensland uh, branch of um the Labour Party, Ms. Wendy Turner. Mm. And she was, she in fact, um, great. S- second in the motion and had a great op-ed, which we'll, we'll put a, a, um, a hyperlink to on, the, on our podcasts, but a, a great article she had published in, um, in, in Queensland, you know, talking about the reality of uh, until we can tell a belligerent occupying um, uh, power like Israel that they can't continue to do what they are doing without consequence. You cannot move 600,000 plus settlers into somebody else's land. You cannot connect those people by Israeli-only roads and connect them to utility, sewer, power, phone, telephony services, and all the while denying the, the people you occupy the same services, over and above which denying the refugees their inalienable right to return. Mm. We have to give them... Uh, uh, there has to be a consequence of that continuing belligerent occupation. You know, one thing, Nasser, in uh, my lecture last week about uh, Jerusalem, uh, uh, I was struck, uh, I was so shocked to uh, have known that the Palestinians in Jerusalem pay the same taxes yeah. that the Israelis pay, but get 25% of services that the Jews uh, receive. Right. And moreover, the Palest- one of the t- they're paying a long list of taxes, maybe more than 22 items list. Uh, one of the items uh, is called the television tax, where we Palestinians pay for the Israeli telev- uh, television that spreads incitement, uh, incitement and hate against, against us. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, look, you know, the, the list goes on, and you only have to, you know, walk the streets of, you know, Jerusalem. But in fact, you know, the the uh, what is now East Jerusalem to see the the lack of municipal yeah. services, you know, the mm. rubbish collection, the schools, and they the, pay as, e- as they pay equal the equal. same land taxes, the same uh, state duties, etc. But they but get res- yeah, look, marginal marginal services. services, and and often far less than twenty five. percent Maybe break even level of service. Absolutely, the barest minimum, because the reality of Zionism, you know, as we know. Uh, doesn't want the indigenous Palestinians in there. So mm. we need to make it as inhospitable as possible and encourage make it people d- to leave. very difficult to continue yeah. to stay and to keep the doors open for them yeah. to leave. But it's not happening. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we'll move on to, to, to the myth that Israel is a democracy. And, you know, it's one of the favorite things of uh, uh, <clears throat> soft Zionists and, you know, Christian Zionists, as well as Zionists to say, you know, it's the only democracy in the Middle East. It's, it's not a democracy. It's far from a democracy. Um, and, and, and this myth, you know. And by the way, sorry, uh, before no, that, this is in dismissal of, let's say, the Turkish democracy, yeah. which could be viewed as, you know, not fantastic model. Yeah. But it's, you know, even to start with, we can't just say that it's the only democracy of the Middle East. Middle East and you, we have also other, uh, Middle East is not known of its uh, democracies, but, you know, that to start with, even before we investigate, investigate the, the authenticity of that statement, um, they, they, they dismiss uh, any other uh, country. Of course. And, and, you know, their supporters worldwide, you know, espouse this. Keep, keep saying it out there. Regurgitating it's, that. It's, it's a democratic state. You know, they're just seeking peace with their neighbors. It's a tough neighborhood. And, you know, we guarantee equality to all of our citizens. And we know, we know this is, you know, just an, a flagrant lie. I mean, until 1967, as we know, Yusuf, the Palestinians that were left post-Nakba were treated under military law. You know, they had curfews. You know, mm. the, the, the concept of coming late from work, the chances of getting shot were very real because you were outside your home after curfew. And the Palestinian poet Mahmoud Darwish wrote one of his most powerful pieces called Sajjil Ana Arabi, Write Down I Am An Arab, Arab yeah. which is a dialogue between himself and the uh, military An officer occupier, or yeah. the occupier. And, and that's back in the 60s. Yeah. Well, you know, the, um, there isn't a Palestinian, be he, be he, she in Gaza, the West Bank, you know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem uh, you know, within Israel, wherever you want to call that, anywhere in historic Palestine, there isn't a Palestinian, regardless of his, her age and education, etc., that can't have their day ruined by an 18-year-old military officer. Mm. Just, just because he, she chose to, and these are conscripts, you know. Just because they, they said, can. I'm going to pull this car over and and search it. You're going to have to sit there until I decide to move on, because we'll just throw out the word security. You know, you know the reality of any democracy, and you want to say, what, 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 what is the, the litmus test? You know, the litmus test of a democracy is its ability to tolerate, um, and and what it will do for its minorities. Yeah, because if if it's voiceless, and it's marginalised and its weakest have a voice, and that voice is honoured, respected, heard in the same uh, space as the most powerful and the strongest and the dominant, then that's a democracy. Mm. Now, in, in any measure, if you are an... I mean, bad luck to you if you're a Palestinian, yeah? But if you're a, a, a Jew that has come from Africa, you know, at least you're not an Arab. Yeah. And if you're an Arab Jew, you know, somebody who's come from Iran or Morocco, well, at least you're not an African Jew, and thank God you're not an Arab. Yeah. And, you know, unless you're an Ashkenazi and part of the ruling elite, you know, there's layers of, uh, of racism that extend within that society beyond the concept that once every two or three or four or five years we get to vote. And that's why I totally agree with you, Nasser. This is why some of the commentators uh, view the Arab or the Palestinians of Israel as fifth-class citizens after the European Jews, the Ashkenazi Jews, and then the uh, Russian Jews, uh, and then the Falasha Jews, and then, you know, if you're lucky enough, you are number five. (laughs) And that's, we're talking about citizens, we're talking about holders of Israeli passports, and next week, hopefully, we will be talking to one of them uh, (coughs) in the studio. studio. Yeah. So, so, and and then you get to the, the the laws of this democracy that you know create situations that uh, institutionalize the separation between the class of citizen and those five different ones, and and the most 
clear one is the uh, the law of return. So you can be a Jew anywhere in the world, male, female, never have set foot on uh, on, 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 in Israel, never been there. Your father, mother might never have been there, but you are fortuitous enough to have been born of a Jewish womb. So you can create, uh, claim at any time earlier and return and be given full citizenship, as well as the generous incentives. Yeah, as well as generous incentives to settle into you know what should be the Palestinian state or anywhere in in historic Palestine. I don't well. think you don't even have to pay for your first trip to Palestine. Well, there's many many yeah, yeah. many many tours that. Uh, um, in the Alia program, in the it's Alia worth program, investigating uh, what kind of benefits that you know members of the Jewish community in Melbourne, for example, receive. If they choose to have aliyah, yeah. So those laws, you know, govern citizenship. They govern govern who can own land, what land, where you can live, and obviously the, the most important one is the law of return, which denies indigenous people and their uh, relatives the opportunity to return to their ancestral homes just because they celebrate God on a different day. Mm. Um, and and when when you talk about that, and you know, we, we spoke about it recently about UN Resolution One Nine Four. Now, part of the admission of Israel into the United Nations was based, predicated on the fact that Israel would comply fully with 194, which was the re- return of Palestinians to their homes or receive just compensation. Yeah, yeah. And to this day, it's still nothing. 194 is, like you said, Nasser, uh, a UN resolution that uh, was passed, I think, in 1949 uh, within uh, the year of uh, Nakba and mm-hmm. calling for Israel to accept the right of the Palestinians who were uh, forced to, to leave and uh, compensation. But yep. uh, till today, we know what's still uh, nothing. Still nothing. We spoke about that last, last week. And, and, you know, we move on to there. And so much of uh, the opportunities within Israel from the point of view, education, jobs, etc., are predicated on military service. Mm. Yeah. So something of the order of 70% of Israel's um, industry is deemed security sensitive. And so without having done your conscription uh, or your military service uh, for, for an Israeli, you can't, you're not able to join those jobs. Now, way back when, post-48, the, the Israelis wanted to create the divide between the Palestinians that were left post-Nakba. And so they made, you know, conscription mandatory. Everybody had to join the army. And they didn't think that the Palestinians would join the Israeli army. And in fact, if you go through all of the wars, yeah, whether it be 56 or 67, 73, 82, and so on and so on, the, the concept of a fifth column, the Palestinians have never risen up against the state of Israel. You know, when they, when they talk about this concept of a fifth column, the, you know, the expectation is, you know, perhaps in 63 or seven, uh, 67 or, or 73, that in fact, you know, one-fifth of the population would have quickly taken to arms and, you know, stormed the banks and, you know, mm. looted and rioted and, you know, endeavored to, you know, disturb win the war. The, disturb, uh, disturb the the Never happened. And po- in, 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 the, in the late 40s, early 50s, Palestinians actually did go and try and join the Israeli army. Yeah, and it wasn't just the Druze and the Christians. There were other Palestinians. You just wanted the, a semblance of normalcy. Yeah, and, and better ones. Yeah, mm. and when that happened, they went, "We're going. We need to. We need to work something out here." So they, you know, created the the military became very oppressive on the indigenous Palestinians to create a divide, so that the 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 military was seen as an oppressor, uh, and that any connivance uh, with them. You know, was was seen very uh, harshly. So that, that moved it apart. So now we've got a situation where, as a Palestinian, you know, inside Israel, you can't get the seventy percent of the jobs. Ninety percent of the land, as we know, is owned by the Jewish National Fund, owned in perpetuity for the Jewish people forever. 
So we can't even move into that land, yeah? It might have been your ancestral homeland, but you can't get there at all. And you get to, like, you know, in, in the north, Nazareth, which is the biggest Palestinian city inside the, the state of Israel, which since 1948 has almost quadrupled in size of humans, business activity, etc. Not one square kilometer of land growth. No. Not one square kilometer of land growth. Yet, in the Jewish-only Upper Nazareth, which is a village because the, um, the, the Knesset at, at a point worked out that, in fact, the whole Galilee region was so Palestinian, there wasn't any Jews. So there is, in fact, a, a program to resettle Jewish people into the north of Israel to um, you know, claim it back. The up, Upper Nazareth, which is a suburb, has tripled in size since 1948, all on land stolen mm. from Nazareth itself and the Palestinian indigenous uh, landowners. So this is another example. And, you know, the worst examples, the worst examples of uh, the democracy that Israel is its 50-year now, 50-year occupation of East Jerusalem, Gaza and the West Bank. And when, 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 when Israeli supporters talk about the occupation, they brush it off, you know, with the suggestion, but it's only temporary. It's, it's for security. Oh, well, security, but it's temporary. And once we address you know, the once, security once we issues, talk about this stuff, we're happy to So temporarily, we're going to spend billions of dollars moving 600, 700,000 people here, Mm. build roads for them, houses, hospitals, schools, parks, etc. Because it's all temporary. We're going to connect them with um, uh, to the the 4G network, uh, cable, internet, etc. We're going to build a wall. It's all temporary. Um, And, and, you know, the non-democratic features of the occupation include, you know, imprisonment without trial. It includes the refusal of building permits. As you know, Yusuf, how hard it is for a Palestinian to get a building permit in A, B, or C. In or the West to Bank. do renovation. Renovations, yeah, yeah, mm. to, to add a story or something. Um, the separate roads are undemocratic. The separate utility systems are undemocratic. The separate mobile telephony spectrum is undemocratic. But mostly, no vote and no representation on who governs your daily life. Everything from birth to death, the taxes, the roads, the money the stamps, no vote as to who controls us. And this is the the concept uh, that makes Zionism incompatible with democracy and, in fact, what it actually is, is apartheid. Indeed. I just want to, before we close and move on uh, this topic, uh, I want to mention a few points. First, that Israel has made a legal definition or distinction between uh, citizenship and nationality. Mm -hmm. Uh, while it might be too difficult to dig deep into the difference between the two, but the Palestinian citizens of Israel or the the, the passport holders of Israeli passports are, are citizens, but only Jews can be nationals of, mm-hmm. of the state of Israel. Of Israel yeah. The second point I want to make is... Uh, today, the situation is that the Druze Palestinians and the Bedouin Palestinians do serve in the military, uh, in the army. Uh, nevertheless, if you look at their neighborhood, if you look at the Druze neighborhood in '48, you will see that they are as marginalized as the other Arab societies. And moreover, the Bedouin society, we're talking about the Negev area, and look what happened Absolutely. with, let's say, uh, if if we just take one village of Arqub. Mm-hmm. Arqub in one year was demolished more than 40 times and yeah. the people would rebuild it again. Yeah. And we know, if you remember in 2012, the Praver plan to basically yeah. consider all the Arab territories in the Negev area as unrecognized. Mm-hmm. Unrecognized means that they don't get services, they don't 
have any utilities. Yeah, yeah. They don't even make it to G- to Google Map or to Israeli mm-hmm. Map as, as if they don't exist. Yeah. And that's what they deal, the communities that do serve in the army. Wow. That's the, the Bedouin. Uh, so I guess we can say more yeah. and more about that. Well, I th- well, let, let's finish But with I will just finish it with one real story. My brother is married to an Israeli, and he's been waiting for th- more than three years for his papers to be processed with no with no any any form of feedback mm-hmm. he, he is separated from his wife and two kids uh, they only meet in a third country uh, uh, which is currently jordan uh, but uh, she lives in akka he lives in jordan they can't be together simply because he's a Palestinian, she's a Palestinian, she holds Israeli passport, but mm-hmm. their application will never be processed, uh, you know. Um, I mean, they make it difficult for, for even their citizens to to be re- reunited with their spouses, and th- their think children. You there, Yusuf, she, your, your sister-in-law is a citizen, but she's not a national. You're listening to Palestine Remembered on 855 AM, and we will be back after this song. Hi, Tata. We're going to listen to Ecuador by Sash. This is our holiday song. Listening to Palestine remembered on 855 uh, AM uh, Nasser. Next topic is well. Next up, we want to want to keep talking about uh, in our theme about Israel being a democracy. But want to introduce our listeners to Mr. Amy Popper, and because one of the one of the things that um, you know, in fact, Trump just most recently said is we've got to stop the Palestinians from uh, inciting inciting, inciting hatred. Uh, hatred. And one of the things that Palestinians do is you know venerate their their martyrs. 
And, you know, aside from the fact that how many streets are named after Jewish terrorists, etc., um, the, the, the Hasbro specialists, they take a lot of capital from, from the Palestinian people's support for their prisoners. And I want to talk about Amy Popper, who was born in 1969. And this Israeli, he was convicted of murdering seven people in Rishon Lezon in uh, May, of, May of 1990. And it's known as the Ayun Kara Massacre. And for, for unknown reasons, this popper went and got a semi, uh, an automatic machine gun and killed and wounded Palestinian men at a bus stop for, for no reason. And he was sentenced to life, 300-odd years as well. Pure terrorism. Just pure deference to terrorism, absolutely. Now, only in a Jewish and democratic state could a Jew steal a gun, hunt for Arab workers. I mean, he hunted these people down, shoot them, sprayed the entire bus uh, uh, bus terminal. These are workers, you know, Palestinian workers trying to get to jobs, getting paid uh, low incomes without, uh, you know, work cover, without superannuation, without uh, medical benefits, etc. Kill seven of them, uh, injure many others, steal one of their cars and flee the scene. This this guy did this. Only in a Jewish democratic state could he be permitted, after being sentenced to seven life sentences, to marry a kach terrorist member. Hmm. Now, we know about the, the Kah Party, which is, even the Americans deemed them to be terrorists. Hmm. Um, only, and, and start a family. You know, this guy had seven life while, sentences. While he was serving his, his term. Wife, and, yeah. Got married. Had, had, he was allowed to, get married, to start a family. Have a family. And only in this Jewish and democratic state could he a short while later go out on leave. They gave him a day pass. Go hmm. out, you know, with your wife and family. That's what you should do. And he'd stayed in hotels throughout uh, um, uh, uh, Israel often a couple of days at a time he was given off and only in this Jewish and democratic state could he drive without a driver's license yeah mm. crash his car run a red light cause a fatal accident killed his wife yeah and then you know got put back into to, to, to jail again only in this Jewish and democratic state could he get married for a second time wow yeah <laughs> Now, how is um, this? How is this uh, jail? <laughs> unbelievable. Then it, apparently, she was even crazier than him, so he divorced her. But that's okay because you know, in this Jewish and democratic state, uh, a murderer he had seven life sentences. This guy was allowed to vis- uh, allowed to receive visitors as well, and one of his uh, <coughs> visitors, and uh, you know, a self a self friend of his, was Mr. Baruch Gold- uh, Goldstein. You know, as we know. And, and Baruch Goldstein is the perpetuator of the Hebrew massacre of 1994. Yep. Which, a person who uh, just decided to walk into a mosque and open fire and kill worshippers. And he's viewed, this terrorist is viewed by, I would say, I don't want to say all Israelis, but but substantial, yeah, I, I would say. There, there is a monument for Baruch Goldstein. In his own settlement. In his own settlement. On, 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 on Palestinian yeah. stolen land. Yeah, saying, you know, how, what a wonderful guy he was, you know, a liberationist and a, a real Jewish nationalist. So, this, so this, he got to, 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 to the, know him. Were they, this mm. is where Baruch Goldstein got his ideas from, from this guy. Mm. Um, and then only in this wonderful... Talking about how you get radicalized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jew- Jewish and democratic state. Could this guy with such flawless behavior, yeah, kill his first <laughs> wife, holidays, etc. Good behavior. Everything. He's due for parole in 2023. Hmm. 2023. After initially receiving 300-something years, seven life sentences, um, and there's been massive uh, um, 
a, a groundswell of activism saying that, you know, whenever you do a prisoner swap with the Palestinians, this guy should be one of our prisoner swaps as well. We should be allowed to let him out. During the same time, uh, this Amy Popper uh, served in Israeli prisons, uh, tens, tens of thousands of Palestinian prisoners had to deal with inhumane treatment. And we've spoken about the demands of the Palestinian prisoners for their mass hunger strike, um, denial of uh, meeting their lawyers, they're denied the right to see their families for months and years, they're denied the medical negligence and solitary confinement and torture and all all, um, inhumane uh, treatment of prisoners. Well, I think, Nasser, um, this is um, a powerful uh, reminder to our listeners who still think that democracy and Israel are not oxymorons. I think we have given just indications. (laughs) That's not everything. This is not an extensive coverage of what we think why Israel is not democratic. You only have to ask ask that question about Amy Popper. If if he'd been a Palestinian and killed seven people at a bus stop, they'd demolished his house. He would have been, of course, executed on the site. They'd demolished his home, thrown his parents out into the street. You know, his village would have been in a curfew. I mean, the, the the parallels are just so wildly insignificant, uh, significant. Excuse me. Um, so perhaps as we're wrapping up the show today, the um, if we can get our visitors to visit apan.org.au, we're running a campaign now against PayPal. Uh, PayPal, as you know, the world's biggest uh, carrier of money transactions, online payment transactions, allows uh, Israel to you can transact within Israel. You can transact in Jerusalem and in Israeli settlements within the West Bank. But if you're a, a neighboring Palestinian suburb, you can't get access to PayPal. So um, uh, if you go to apan.org.au and follow the details of that campaign, register your, um, register your name and sign the online petition so that we can uh, ask PayPal or demand of PayPal that they um, uh, comply with a, a just situation and boycott divestment and sanctions. With this, uh, we've come to the end of this week's episode of Palestine Remembered. Thanks for listening. And I would like to again uh, say thank you to our lovely visitor, Janine. Thank you. <laughs> Is it okay? Thanks it, for coming. It's on. an open invitation for you to join us anytime. Okay. <laughs> and until we meet next uh, Saturday, have a great time and salam.